Well, I hope that you have had a spectacular holiday period. Boy, a lot of uh, rumors flying around about all that that smoke from all those Canadian fires. Uh, People are really outraged. Now they're talking about the smell of formaldehyde. You know, that smell that you sometimes get after you put out a campfire. I guess that's what they're describing it. A lot of people think that this was all deliberate. Uh, One guy on on social media, and of course I don't buy into this at all, but it's interesting to note just how outrageous people can be about something like this. He thinks that because the COVID vaccine weakened immune systems, now the governments of Canada and the U.S. are collaborating to make everybody sick, which, you know, it's ridiculous. One person said that all the fires were deliberately set. Others have said it's natural. But it is strange that I, again, like people being stuck in New York for, for a week, unable to get a train or a plane or a car, just seems strange that all of a sudden the system is breaking down, doesn't it? I mean, it is like the apocalypse. It is. I mean, let's face it. How many times have you said to yourself in the last few months, man, what the hell's going on here? And here's yet another good example. So on May 23rd, Dr. David Martin, who's a global financial analyst, also is an expert at uh, business commerce, he gave a 21-minute speech at the European Parliament in Brussels on May 3rd, 2023, at the International COVID-19 Summit 3. Uh, now, people in the traditional media and people who are of, of the uh, big pharma, uh, they, they discount this. They think this guy's making all this up. Uh, but the featured speakers that were there included Robert Malone, Ryan Cole, Biram Brittle, Christian Perone, and Pierre Corey, president of the fringe, they describe it as the fringe medical group, Frontline COVID-19 Critical Care Alliance, which is not a fringe. They actually have the the guts and the courage to tell people what's really happening and how things, uh, we got boondoggled on this one, buddy. As you will hear here, here's just a brief expert uh, excerpt of the 21-minute speech talking about how COVID was weaponized. And, of course, you heard Nansu with the very same thing with a whistleblower now coming forward saying that the lead scientist at the Wuhan Institute of Virology said the CCP was developing a bioweapon. But David Martin's assertion, assertion is that this process actually began as early as 1965. And you'll have to go online, and, and I do have a link on my uh, podcast site in the description page if you go to Speaking Out America and look up the exclusive with Nansu, you'll find a link to that story, and then you'll also find a link on this story too. So anyway, let's go ahead and play this Dr. David Martin from May 3rd, 2023 at the European Parliament in Brussels. Poised for human emergence in 2016 at the proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences such that by the time we get to 2017 and 2018, the following phrase entered into common parlance among the community. There is going to be an accidental or intentional release of a respiratory pathogen. The operative word, obviously, in that phrase, the word release. Does that sound like leak? Does that sound like a bat and a pangolin went into a bar in the Wuhan market? and hung out and had sex, and and lo and behold, we got SARS-CoV-2? No. Accidental or intentional release 
of a respiratory pathogen was the terminology used, and four times in April of 2019, seven months before the allegation of patient number one, four patent applications of Moderna were modified to include the term accidental or intentional release of a respiratory pathogen as the justification for making a vaccine for a thing that did not exist. Then he goes on to explain in that same speech how pharmaceutical companies were already filing patents for a vaccine in anticipation of a pandemic. And so, again, you know, you scratch your head and you you have to ask yourself, who do we trust? Do we trust the, the, the government in this case? I mean, it's not my purpose to sow distrust, but it's just absolutely amazing, number one, that they almost seem prepared for it, too prepared for it. Dr. Robert Malone has said many times he's the inventor of the mRNA technology. Uh, And then we have audio tapes from various groups who talked about having a planned staged pandemic as early as 25 or 2015, including comments from people like Bill Gates. Now, do I think that the pharmaceutical companies conspired to create a a, a virus a respiratory virus, and then had uh, the wherewithal to coordinate this in such a way where they would come up with uh, not one, but two, but three different vaccines. One of them has already been pulled from the shelves, Johnson and Johnson. Uh, And and, and am I suggesting that these same pharmaceutical companies uh, that spend billions and billions of dollars a year on advertising would stoop to such a level as to be culpable of creating a biohazard disease and then coming up with a with a solution just to make money? Yeah, it sounds like a conspiracy, doesn't it? But then you have very educated, very concerned people asking these questions and coming up with answers that we don't like to hear because it means there's something wrong with the system. And it means we have to take responsibility. And that it's not good for us to trust those people who say trust us. You know, a lot of uh, controversy going on with this affirmative action ruling by SCOTUS, Supreme Court. And you hear it flown out about a lot about, you know, on the one side, you've got the left who says this is discriminatory. It's going to penalize people for being of color. They're not going to be able to get into major universities because, well, because affirmative action was for that. It was to allow people from destitute areas or from poverty to have a chance. That's what the original intent of affirmative action was. But what's interesting about it is that, you know, they didn't mention when they were presenting the story yesterday that the original plaintiffs in this particular case that made its way to the Supreme Court for ruling were Asian Americans. Asian Americans that were not getting into colleges because they weren't the right color or because they were too smart and they were scoring high on scholastic scores. And and frankly, that's discriminatory. So you hear people talking a lot about diversity and I want to share with you when we come back what, uh, there were two conversations going on yesterday, one from Clarence Thomas, Supreme court justice and the other from Katanji Jackson Brown. I'm sorry, Brown Jackson. Sorry. Uh, And so they both make their points and I want to present them to you. And then I want to have a little deeper discussion about this, the fallacy of diversity. The premise of diversity is actually quite uh, racist. 
and we'll get into that in, in a little bit. And then also a little bit later on, have you heard what's happening in Chicago? Hundreds of teens took to the streets, shutting down Belmont for hours. There was no celebration yesterday. It was just pure chaos. Rowdy Hashish is the manager of the Slice Shop. The restaurant just steps from the Belmont Red Line stop was surrounded. He shared this video he took from inside the store of teens dancing on cars and drinking in the streets. CPD officers worked to control the crowd and move them out of the area, but the teens left behind a path of destruction. People were horrified by the extent of the damage this morning. Shoe prints on cars, hoods dented, windshields broken. Kids out of control. What's behind it? We'll talk about that in just a moment. Speaking out America, I'm JR. We'll be right back. So I want to have a conversation about diversity, but before I do that, I want to just recap what happened earlier with the SCOTUS striking down affirmative action in colleges as a part of the admissions process. 45 years ago, we started doing that to give people who are underprivileged privilege, at least to get uh, in the line, maybe not in the front of the line, but at least get into the line so that they could go on to higher education. Uh, but Asian Americans were feeling the pinch. And so they filed a case against an Ivy League school saying, you know what, why are we being ostracized? We're getting good grades. We don't fit the uh, the diversity checkoff box, so we're being discriminated against, and Supreme Court agreed. So the latest addition to the Supreme Court, Ketanji Brown-Jackson, uh, had this to say. She said, with the, let them eat cake ob- obliviousness today, the majority of the Supreme Court pulls the ripcord and announces colorblindness for all by legal fiat. But deeming race irrelevant in law does not make it so in life, she claimed. And having so detached itself from this country's actual past and present experiences, the court has now been lured into interfering with the crucial work that the University of North Carolina and other institutions of higher learning are doing to solve America's real-world problems. Now, remember, she was an affirmative action hire. Uh, Biden put her in that seat. We won't know if whether or not she had the merit because Joe Biden promised to appoint a black female justice to the Supreme Court. So that always leaves that dangling. Did you get the gig because you earned it or because it was an affirmative action hire? I, I would think that would be a sting to my career. I would never want to get a job because somebody felt they had to hire me because of my race. I mean, that just seems common sense to me. Clarence Thomas wrote, he says, what matters is not the barriers people face, but how they choose to confront them. And their race is not to blame for everything, good or bad, that happens in their lives. A contrary myopic worldview based on individual skin color to the total exclusion of their personal choices is nothing short of racial determinism. Oh, he wasn't done. He responded, this is Clarence Thomas' words, Justice Jackson then builds from her faulty premise to call for action arguing that courts should defer to experts and allow institutions to discriminate on the basis of race. Thomas continued, Make no mistake, her dissent is not a vanguard of the innocent and helpless. It is instead a call to empower privileged elites who will tell us what is required to level the playing field among castes and classifications that they alone can divine. Then, after siloing us all into racial castes and pitting those castes against each other, 
The descent somehow believes that we will be able at some undefined point to march forward together into some utopian vision. And you hear that the chief arguments from the, the left is that by removing the affirmative action policies, we're not promoting diversity. And you hear this sort of passed around a lot about this idea about diversity. Diversity this, diversity is good, diverse. And I, and I started to think about this. I, I just want to throw these out to you and think about how diversity plays a role in our everyday life. And, I, and I'll put it to you, do you, you know, to what extent is diversity really important? Okay, so, for example, when you're watching a football game, does anyone care about, uh, about the diversity of the players on the team? No. You want the best players, regardless of what their skin color is. Now, when I watch my kids playing soccer when they were young, or my granddaughter today playing softball, am I looking at the diversity of the team to make sure everyone is represented? Should I be doing that? Should I go to the coach and say, hey, you know what? You have too many white guys on the team. Maybe you should put in a, a couple of African Americans and an Asian and maybe a, 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 a transgender. We need to level the playing field. I mean, how ridiculous is that? Here's another example. When you get on an airplane... Is there equal racial representation in the cockpit? Is that something I should be concerned about? Or what if all the pilots are white? Or what if they're all black? Or what if they're all male? Should I be concerned? Am I really concerned about that? Or is it, are they able to fly the plane? I think merit. What about when you go under uh, the knife for surgery and you look around the operating room? Do you count what everybody's ethnicity is to make sure that each, each race is represented when they're taking out your spleen? If I eat at a Mexican restaurant, do I expect that there should be other kinds of ethnic food with options on the menu just to make sure it's fair? That, what is the diversity you hear the left talking about? When I watch a TV commercial, how important is it for each actor to be a certain race or gender? Is it because I'm white and I don't notice? Uh, or is it because you're black and you always notice? Who's right, who's wrong? As a white person, am I supposed to notice diversity? Uh, when I see a few guys walking in my direction at night, they're wearing hoodies and they're bigger than I am. Should I be concerned about di diversity at that point? For 45 years, African-Americans got a hand up. Did it make things better? Sure. But today, it's not African-Americans being discriminated against. It's high achievers, many from Asian communities, who worked hard. And they're getting the shaft. And that's why the Supreme Court took on the issue. You know, when I watch the reports about the SCOTUS ruling... Not once did I hear anybody actually say what was the, the what led to the case, who filed the complaint. It was a class action lawsuit brought by Asian Americans who were being denied admissions because they weren't black or because their SAT scores were too high. Funny how that didn't get mentioned, right? How convenient the media left out that fact. So this is really about African Americans underachievers who want a hand out, not a hand up. Do black people have any shame? When will you stop living in the past? Have you seen a BET awards show lately? Do you know that the combined average income of each attendee of BET, which is mostly comprised of African Americans in the entertainment industry, between two and five million dollars? How's that for diversity? And I'll make one more point before we move on to Chicago where there's real diversity going on there. I grew up in poor black Hispanic neighborhoods. I know. I have a wonderful, uh, uh, I know all about diversity, and I've got all the, the scars to show it. 
So please, for the sake of your own dignity, stop listening to the left. They want you to be angry because if you're angry, you give them more power. Last night, the city saw its latest teen takeover, this time in Lakeview. Yeah, a mob of teens filled the streets, climbing onto cars, damaging the vehicles and businesses in the neighborhood. WGN's Kelly Davis has more. People tell me hundreds of teens poured off the L here at the Belmont Red Line stop. They swarmed the streets and caused chaos throughout the neighborhood. This is the scene that unfolded just after 10 o'clock last night. Hundreds of teens took to the streets, shutting down Belmont for hours. There was no celebration yesterday. It was just pure chaos. Roddy Hashish is the manager of the Slice Shop. The restaurant, just steps from the Belmont Red Line stop, was surrounded. He shared this video he took from inside the store of teens dancing on cars and drinking in the streets. Right away, we decided to close both uh, the store and the restaurant, and we just we stayed all night watching, making sure nobody broke in or you know nobody vandalized our business. CPD officers worked to control the crowd and move them out of the area, but the teens left behind a path of destruction. People were horrified by the extent of the damage this morning: shoe prints on cars, hoods dented windshields broken. It's terrifying. It's terrifying. Grace Rowan said she even heard gunshots and was too scared to leave her apartment. It has been very chaotic and as somebody who's lived in Lakeview for Honestly, the past three years, it's very scary to see how things have changed over time. People are hoping the city steps up to prevent this from happening again. Alderman Bennett Lawson helped with cleanup this morning. He released a statement saying, quote, I will be meeting with the 19th District Police, CTA, and others to discuss what took place and identify ways we can prevent it from occurring moving forward, as well as continue conversations with my colleagues on City Council about how we can keep our youth from participating in these disruptive actions. What a bunch of rubbish a bunch of city council members up there we'll talk with the kids about calming them down three people were arrested and none of them for serious crimes and yet there were over a hundred people and i watched the video and it was mostly african-american kids probably between the ages of 18 and 25 and they were out there doing what they wanted to do no parents where are all the parents in all of this what do they have to say about this well the media will tell you that these kids have a right to be angry and that's why they keep doing it, because they're being fanned by the left who want these kids to go out of control. The brown shirts. And we're back. Uh, Welcome back to Speaking Out America. Uh, He was on with us last week, and we're glad to have him back because he's making, he's a positive force of change, and his name is Michael Lee Mason, and he is the developer of freefiltering.org. It's a, well, I'll let him explain it, but it's about filtering bad stuff from your kids or your grandkids. And uh, I don't know if you know this, but... Michigan is trying to pass a law similar to a law that was passed about four or five years ago in New Jersey, which makes it illegal for a therapist to discuss with their patient in the privacy of his own office or her own office the idea of conversion therapy. Do you know what conversion therapy is? Well, Michael Lee Mason knows all about it, and he's joining us here. 
Michael, what is going on here with this conversion therapy where the government is dictating what kind of conversation a doctor can have with his patient? Well, it, it's quite bizarre, and I was not even aware of this uh, until just an hour or so ago. But a total of 26 states, over half of the states in the union, have passed bans on conversion therapy. If you go to Wikipedia, of course, we all know Wikipedia slants very oh, yeah. left. Sure. Um, but, but they have an article on conversion therapy where they list the U.S. jurisdictions that ban it. And here's what they say. Um, a majority of the United States population lives in jurisdictions that have banned conversion therapy on minors. The pseudoscientific and abusive practice of attempting to change an individual's sexual orientation or gender identity. Okay, So already in the United States, the majority of people Right. We know that, you know, there's huge population centers like New York City or Los Angeles. There's these huge urban areas where most people live. And in most of the jurisdictions, over half of the jurisdictions where half the population of the United States lives, they've passed laws where it says, hey, if you are a, um, a therapist or a counselor who has a license from our state, you cannot counsel a minor child that the same-sex attraction that they may be experiencing or the gender dysphoria that they are experiencing, you cannot counsel them and say, hey, that's not who you really are. That's not who you were created to be in God's image. Um, it's illegal. So they're trying to clamp down not only on the freedom of speech uh, and the freedom of religion, but they're basically trying to dictate to a professional what is appropriate uh mental health care or you know or, or yeah it's, it's crazy it is crazy because we know that the schools are taking these young children and affirming them and then sending them along to the institutional therapist who is basically going to reinforce that same message i just read a article today i was going to try to find it before i had you on michael uh, and they're talking about people who who transition and then regret it, and they want to get back to where they were before. There's very little in, in the medical community services that are offered to people who want to de-transition. And so the system is slowly being constructed so that there's only an entrance, but there is no exit when it comes to transgenderism. It's amazing. Yeah, indeed. Um, I'm friends with uh, a lady named um, Dr. Jennifer Roback Morse. She runs something called the Roof Institute, and uh, she has tried to post a video to the Roof Institute's YouTube channel with a gentleman who I think is maybe in his 60s or 70s today, but I think he lived maybe a decade or more as a woman. He went through this transition process to uh, hold himself out as a woman, mm -hmm. and then he came to Christ. He, he, he became a Christian, and he said, I'm not really a woman. God created me a man. And so the Ruth Institute created a video of him giving his testimony of how Christ changed his life. YouTube will not let them keep that video up, right? They'll, they'll push the videos of the 14-year-old girls talking about how I'm really a boy, and I'm going to tell my parents that I'm really a boy. 
but they won't allow you know a 65 year old man who lived a decade or more as a woman to tell his story about how uh, he was brutally mutilated, how his life was turned upside down by transitioning to become a woman. They they won't even allow that. So what's happening today is. You know, the Constitution says we're not supposed to have any established religion at the federal level, right? We're, we don't have a Church of England. Uh, we're not like the early uh, Roman Empire that adopted Christianity as the official religion. We have this experiment. It's really an experiment when you look at uh, all of human history. Uh, for most of human history, uh, one's government was always very t- tightly intertwined with a particular religion. And the American experiment said, let's try to separate those two things. We had hundreds of years uh, of conflict in Western Europe through the Protestant Reformation. We had wars that were being fought you know, over, say, uh, you know, this Protestant church with this Protestant church or the Catholic church. We had a lot of conflict. Let's try setting up a government that does not respect or does not establish any particular religion. That's what the Constitution says. But I would argue that today we have a federal religion. Okay, We have an established religion. Because what does any religion do? The word religion comes from the root word ligament, what holds something together. Every culture has to have something that holds it together. In other words, a common set of values or beliefs that everybody adheres to that holds society together. Uh, whether you whether you say it's your official religion or not doesn't matter. We have an official established state religion in the United States, and its core tenets are sexual freedom. Okay, starting with the sexual revolution in the '60s, we decided we're going to throw off all moral constraint and tell people, hey, you don't have to limit your sexual life to one to one man or one woman for the entirety of your life in marriage, go have sex before you get married. If you are married and you get tired of your spouse, we're going to give you a no-fault divorce so you can throw off your spouse and go marry someone else. Christ said that's adultery. But our law says, oh, no, that's fine. That's completely fine. Uh, Don't worry about the catastrophe that's going to be left in the wake of your divorce. Don't forget about your four – or just forget about your four kids whose lives are going to be devastated. You should be happy. The number one – uh, human right that we support as a country to, to today is unlimited sexual license, what St. Paul would call licentiousness. Okay, We have instituted licentiousness as the number one value of our society, and now we're enforcing it uh, onto to little kids. We're, we're basically subjecting them to propaganda that says, hey, we're going to plant the idea that if you're a little boy, that someday you might grow up to fall in love with a man. And we're going to plant that idea in your head that it's okay to do sexual things with a member of the same sex. And then we're going to prohibit your pastor or your family therapist from telling you that that's a false idea, that that is not intrinsic to your identity as a human. We're going to prohibit free speech and the free exercise of religion so that the confusing idea we planted in your head in school has to be reinforced, and it will be illegal for your pastor to tell you, actually, no, that's a lie from the pit of hell. Michael Lee Mason is on the, on the air with us today. Freefiltering.org is a, a software that filters out uh, inappropriate Im- imaging websites, access to websites, 
uh, that are simply not appropriate. And right now we know that that is one of the main ways that many organizations uh, that are trying to go after your children uh, on the on the basis of what we're talking about here. I know there's a new Jim Caviezel movie out produced in part by Mel Gibson. I'm sure you're aware of it, Michael Lee Mason. But one thing that that people should wake up to is that the real reality is that sexual trafficking is alive and well in the United States. And the, uh, while members of the LGBTQ, uh, community may not be involved just like with anybody else, there are bad actors in, in every group. And we need to be especially careful of the messaging that our children, uh, receive today and that's why i like michael because he's done something about it he's trying to raise awareness uh, about how they want your kids we saw it last week with the pride parades where they were literally saying we're coming after your kids um and it's just it's 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 at a orange or red level red alert you know volcanic volcanic seismologists have what they call uh, alerts and they're codes basically showing you how close we are to danger and right now there's 20 different volcanoes around the world that are in orange alert status, which means any one of them can blow. But I would suggest that there are a lot of social indicators right now that are orange or red. And we're in a period where a lot of people are going to have to start making a choice on who they're going to support and who they're not going to support. So we've got our work cut out for us. Uh, Michael, unfortunately, we don't have a lot of time today, but we'll pick up on this in the weeks ahead. But I really want to emphasize uh, Michael is a good man. He served our country two tours, uh, put his life on the line in many cases, worked with people, lifting them up, making them better, inspiring them to be better. And he went so far as to create something that helps every parent listening to this program. It's called freefiltering.org. So, Michael, any closing thoughts? I would just say that parents can create a free account on our website at freefiltering.org. They make a simple adjustment to their Wi-Fi router. And then any device connected to Wi-Fi will automatically be protected from the vast majority of pornography, websites promoting pride and abortion uh, automatically. Well, it's good to have you back on, and I look forward to our next conversation. And we're going to continue to hammer this message. We need to protect our children now more than ever. The the demons are out there, man. They want your kids. All right, we'll talk Indeed. to you next time. All right, uh, God bless, and I uh, hope, hope you have a good week ahead, my friend.